Welcome to Edwards Beyond the Test, a podcast that goes behind the scenes of the flight test mission at Edwards Air Force Base. I'm Don Waldman from the 412th Test Wing Public Affairs. The subject of today's program is steeped with rich history made by the brave men and women who have learned to push the boundaries of what is possible. Its alumni have gone on to achieve the inconceivable that not only advanced the U.S. Air Force, but the world. If you haven't guessed, I'm talking about the United States Air Force Test Pilot School. It's located right here at Edwards Air Force Base. We'll be talking with a few TPS team members today, but first, let me introduce the Commandant of TPS, Colonel Ryan Blake. Sir, welcome to Beyond the Test. Thanks, Don. It's very great to be here. So for those unfamiliar with it, tell us about the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School. Sure. Uh, Test Pilot School is the graduate school for test and evaluation in the Air Force. So we have, of course, in the test center, many hundreds and thousands of people who are working test. Very few have actually gone through the Test Pilot School. So the Test Pilot School is, again, the master's degree graduate level education in test. We use our Test Pilot School graduates as uh, the enablers, the folks who have had a very deep education in tests to be able to go into organizations that are staffed with folks who have lots of experience in tests, but maybe who have not gone through the school. And so we can use that exquisite education in the school to uh, enable those teams some more. Uh, The school itself uh, has uh, a long history. Um, It is right now a year-long school. Uh, We've got about a $32 million a year budget. Oh, my. Um, Absolutely, that uh, we put um, our students through in uh, a combination of academics and flying and projects. Very difficult year for the students, but they, at the end of the year, they come out with a master's of science degree in flight test engineering, and they are certified as flight testers, uh, both pilots uh, and engineers and combat systems officers. So you mentioned that we have pilots. What type of pilots do we have in TPS? Sure. We have uh, all sorts of different pilots. Um, So pilots from a bunch of different communities, both manned and unmanned. So um, in our school, we'll have airlift pilots, tanker pilots, bomber pilots, fighter pilots, unmanned aircraft pilots. All different communities in the Air Force come through our school. They all go through the same school, no matter what community they came from. They get the same education. They fly the same sorties. They fly the same airplanes during test pilot school. And then generally at the end of test pilot school, they will go back to their area of expertise. If they came in from airlift, they may do a lot of tests on an F-16 while they're at the school, but they will typically after that go back to airlift so they can use their operational experience. So, sir, there are pilots naturally throughout the Air Force. Why don't they use those pilots instead of having a special breed of test pilots? So that's actually a really good question, and that goes back to where test pilot school started. So test pilot school is actually older than the Air Force itself. Uh, It started back in 1944 with the Army Air Forces. And at the time, they were doing exactly uh, what your question implied, was they were using operational pilots to do their test. And what they found is that whereas that worked somewhat, uh, it really took an understanding by the pilots to understand what the engineers were asking them to do. So if they were going out to do a specific excess power test, for example, if the pilots didn't understand the engineering behind it, a lot of times their in-flight decisions would not be appropriate for that particular test. So back in 1944, the Army Air Forces decided that they needed to train pilots the engineering uh, concepts behind those tests and then the specific Mm -hmm. techniques such that they had a cadre of exquisitely trained individuals who knew exactly what the engineers were going for. And that continues today. We need to take our pilots who are operationally focused and who are very good at what they do. 
uh, and our weapon systems officers and our engineers, all who have had operational experience, whether it's uh, in a lab or a program office as an engineer or in combat as a uh, pilot or a combat systems officer, take those operational experiences and now teach them how to apply those to test and then bring them into a new community test such that they can vary their operational experience with their now new test knowledge. Well, in the past, you didn't have engineers and weapons systems operators also going to the school. That evolved over time. That's exactly right. Uh, and that, uh, in fact, is one of the uh, one of the key things that Test Pilot School does is it evolves over time. And so as you point out at the beginning, and of course the name that we still uh, carry implies this. At the beginning, it was a pilot school, right? Right, right? We took pilots and we put them through the test pilot school. And so those very first graduates were all pilots because that's what the school was aimed at. Engineers were always a part of the test team. As a matter of fact, the engineers started it and they said, we need the pilot to understand this, right? So they were always part of the team, but they weren't graduates of the school actually until the 70s. It wasn't until the 70s that the Air Force realized, well, we need to be putting our engineers and our navigators, our combat systems officers all through the same course together such that they can operate as a test team as soon as they graduate. And that's the way we operate now. Colonel Blake, while at the school, the TPS students are learning the discipline of conducting tests safely. But, sir, once they graduate, how do they apply this in the functioning world of flight test? Yeah, that's also a very good question, uh, and that goes back to what we said, why we bring them in uh, at their experience level to begin with. All of our graduates, whether they're pilots or combat systems officers or engineers, are going to go directly to a flight test squadron and compliant test force. And so we expect them, once they get to that new organization, to take all of their operational background, which for pilots may have been thousands of hours of flying, mm-hmm in conjunction with the test fundamentals that they just learned for a year at test pilot school, and now marry those two skills to getting new technology out to the warfighter, whether it's a brand new airplane or a new system on an airplane um, or a new weapon that's carried on an airplane. We want them to use their operational experience and their newfound test knowledge to get that um, technology as quick as they can out to the warfighter. With all those students and the requirements to operate two separate classes simultaneously, you know, it takes a team, quite a team, to ensure that smooth operation. About how many people work there? Are they all military? And can you describe their various roles for TPS? Absolutely. So I think for the impact that we have and for the product that we produce, we've actually got a fairly small team that's doing that. So on staff, we really only have somewhere around 50 folks on staff at any one time. Uh, That's a mix of military and civilians and some contractors who are full-time with us helping us put this together. So clearly, probably the first thing you would think about are our instructor pilots who are teaching our brand new pilots and engineers how to do the flight test techniques as they're up in the air. Uh, But of course, in addition to those instructor pilots, we have instructor engineers who are teaching the engineers how to run control rooms and how to functionally um, work as crew members in an aircraft while they're an engineer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, we've got all of our large support staff that it takes to run all of the uh, operation that we've got. So we need folks who are running operation scheduling for us, and we need folks who are doing plans and programs and contracting and finance and maintenance Right. It takes a lot to run a flying organization. 
and a university. And so when you put a flying organization together with a university, right, it's going to take several different disciplines to run that. And I'm actually amazed, frankly, that we're able to do that with the relatively small number of people we have in the school. I didn't realize it was that few. That's right. I thought it was a larger number of employees that were there. Yeah. And so what that what that means is that a lot of our instructors end up uh, uh, working a lot and very hard right. and uh, becoming jacks of all trades, right. right? If we've got a program manager who also knows how to do contracting and finance and things like <laughs> that, right? Because since we're right. a small, minimally manned organization, you need to get good at a lot of different things. Well, TPS is so rich with history, it must make those who work there and attend the school feel full of pride. Well, let's talk about some of that incredible history. It all started back in Dayton, Ohio at Wright Pat before it came out here, right? Yeah, that's right. So this is actually one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, the history of the school is so rich and amazing that we uh, we really embrace our heritage at the Test Pilot School. And so every opportunity we get, we discuss it. We talk about where we've come from. And I think that does a couple of things for us. It, it certainly um, helps motivation working there, right? When you think of all the folks who have walked the same halls that you're walking and working in right now, you think of the things that they have gone on to do. Uh, and I think it also gives us perspective where we're going in the future. We see where TPS started uh, and where it has gone over the years, and it gives us confidence that we can go new places as well. So as you mentioned, it started back in Dayton, Ohio. It actually started as a three-month course. So like we talked about earlier, the engineers wanted their pilots to understand some basic engineering concepts and how to do a few flight test techniques. So it's very much a, a short course, three months about, okay, here's why you are flying by a tower really low and really fast. Here's the engineering behind it. And here's exactly what I want you to do and say. And so those first few classes was just that three months, just okay. on those few things. Uh, after a few of those classes, and, and the questions they were answering in those first, quest, in those first classes were performance questions. Uh, how far can this airplane go? How high can it fly? How fast can it go? Things like that. Very soon, uh, pilots and engineers realized, well, that doesn't tell the full story, right? You also need to know how well it flies. And that's what they, at the time, termed stability and control, and we often call it flying qualities now. Okay. And so in just a few classes, they actually added another three-month course that was uh, to do with flying qualities. And so now it was a six-month course in Dayton, Ohio. And it stayed that six-month course until 1951 uh, when the course moved out here to Edwards. Of course, if you've ever been to Dayton, Ohio, you realize that uh, the weather is not always great out right, there. Right. There are no great big dry lake beds that you can land on. Uh, and in some portions, at least, it's fairly populous. Right. Um, and so there are maybe folks that you don't want to fly over. Yeah. Edwards Air Force Base, at the time, uh, you know, the Murak Gunnery Range didn't have any of those limitations. The weather was great. There was a great big dry lake bed. There weren't a whole lot of folks around that you might be a danger to. And so the school moved out here in 1951 as the Air Force Flight Test Center at the time uh, was operating out of here as well. Um, and once the school started in uh, 1951 uh, out at uh, Edwards, uh, it continued in that six-month course really until the 60s. In the 60s, of course, when the space race heated up, there was a need for the Air Force to start training its own astronauts because the Air Force was planning on a manned spaceflight program. Okay. So NASA had their own program. Right. The Air Force was going to have a manned spaceflight program. And so the school actually added another six months called the Aerospace Research Pilot Course, so uh, pilots could go through three months of performance, three months of flying qualities, and then six months of effectively astronaut training. And so that's when Test Pilot School became a year-long school. Okay. It was at the end of the 60s when the, uh, um, when the 
all the manned spaceflight programs for the Air Force were canceled. Uh, that's when there was no longer a need to train astronauts uh, in the school, but the systems complexity was really rising in the 70s. And so that six-month ARPS astronaut training course was traded out for a systems course. And that's roughly where we are today, a year-long school that looks at um, flying qualities and performance and mission systems with an underlying test foundations background. Well, with all that wonderful rich history and inspiration to those still coming on board to TPS, what is their motivation? Are they coming out here still to be test pilots? Yeah, that's a good question. I think everybody is unique in the reasons why they want to come through, but we definitely see some trends. Uh, Everybody who applies to test pilot school Number one, because of the background that we make them have, right, is already got an engineering background and they're very technically minded. And so I think for uh, the majority, probably all of our students, all of our applicants who come through, they are really excited about developing new technology and getting that out to the warfighter. Uh, now, we talked about space flight and being an astronaut and things like that. Clearly, historically, uh, many of astronauts have been t- test pilot school oh, graduates. Yes. And so I believe that's in the back of many students' minds as they're applying to test pilot school, that if NASA happens to open up an astronaut application window, I will certainly apply. Right. Mm-hmm. So I do believe that a lot of folks ultimately would love to go into space. But fortunately... Even if you don't end up in space in NASA, the things that you are doing uh, as flight testers in the Air Force Test Center are amazing, and it is completely fulfilling. And that's definitely what I thought when I came through the school. Uh, Once I came out the other end, I thought I would like to do this forever because I'm having such a big impact. It's such an exciting time, and I get to see the fruit of my labor go directly to warfighters. We'll talk more with Colonel Blake later in the program, but when we come back, we'll talk with the technical director for TPS, Mr. David Van Hoy. Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. Today, we're talking about the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School. It's located right here at Edwards. We're now talking with Mr. David Van Hoy, who is the technical director of the school. Hey, Dave, thanks for being here. Well, good morning, Miss Don. Hello to all your listeners. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here today to talk with you about one of my favorite subjects, your United States Air Force Test Pilot School. It's an awesome place indeed. You know, so previously when we talked before, you told me that uh, your job as tech director is a position with many aspects that you oversee at the school from being sort of like a dean and, and more than that. Can you explain some of that to us? I've been involved in TPS for a long time. I've been tech director for about 10 years and You learn the longer you stay in one place, the more jobs they give you. (laughs) Okay. So I kind of describe myself as I'm I'm the chief chef and chief bottle washer. I kind of do it all. Okay. And and the dean part is the the guy responsible for the technical aspects of the curriculum. That's that's one of the most important roles, Um, technical aspects involving not only the academics, but the labs and the sims and the flights. You know, it's multifaceted, which makes the job pretty interesting. other things I do is the the head civilian supervisor. So I'm I'm responsible for you know the care and feeding, taking care of our just world class staff. You know I'm so fortunate to work with some of the most brilliant, dedicated folks around. So taking care of them is easy. It's usually just trying to guide them in a direction mm-hmm. and and then turn them loose. Um, another part of my role is being the the guy who's been there a long time. Is I know where all things are and where all things work. So strategic planning, trying to make sure we have the right resources, the right aircraft, the right simulators, the, the right number of people, the right types of people, uh, the money that makes things go. Yes. So I spend a lot of time doing that. Okay. And I guess the, the final role is just as the, you know, the civilian deputy, 
So I work really closely with Colonel Blake and, and all the previous commandants I've had the, the pleasure to work with. We work as a team, and it's, it's a really good construct. It's very similar to what you see across the Air Force Test Center with military leadership and civilian deputies. So the military bring in the, the leadership training, the, just the national defense strategy, the, right. the, the vision of the Air Force. They bring in recent uh, experience with other areas mm-hmm. of the Air Force. Um, and the civilian deputies, you know, we provide the continuity. We've been here a long time, so we know how all the local procedures work. Um, we've got the depth in the particular area we're in. So we work as a great team. Hey, let's talk about the curriculum and the development aspect of that. There are two classes each year with a total of 48 students who are in an 11-month program. And, you know, while there is some continuity from year to year, you and your amazing team of professionals are frequently revamping that curriculum. So why is that necessary? Our graduates go on to, to work with and test the most current technology in the U.S. Air Force. So they need the, the skills to be effective once they graduate. Okay. So we have to constantly bring in these emerging capabilities. I mean, the big words you hear about today, you can't go to any high-level meeting without talking about cyber and space and RPAs and small UASs and directed energy. It's, it's all an autonomy. You know, all those technologies are being developed rapidly. So our graduates need to be familiar mm-hmm. with that capability. The challenge is we also need to continue focusing on the fundamentals of test. Right. At the end of the day, that is probably the most critical thing we do is, is educate these future testers into the, the mindset and the principles and the system engineering approach to be able to test anything, anything at all that gets thrown their way. And then we try to expose them to the new technology um, and so they can apply those time-proven principles in, in new ways. We want them to be creative. Now, now doing that in a fixed container because <laughs> our curriculum is not growing. In each TPS class, you know, there's always international students. Why do we have that program? Well, that's a good question. You know, that's, our international program is important for, for a number of reasons. I mean, um, first and foremost, just look at the current worldwide threat environment. The U.S. needs allies. You know, we need to build coalitions in order to effectively fight the war on terror in order to protect U.S. interests abroad. So our program helps promote this international cooperation. Uh, I would say, you know, in many cases, the, the foreign national students who attend TPS, they are just rising stars at their home country. They are folks that are on the fast track for chief of staff positions and senior leadership positions in their military. Mm-hmm. They're all incredibly talented, incredibly brilliant. It's not only about understanding how the U.S. Air Force works and our military. It's, it's learning about, you know, American culture. Right. And they're immersed in a program side by side with all these U.S. students. And you learn about each other. So I guess the international program works the other way, too. It gives our U.S. students exposure to our international partners and their culture and their way of life and the way they approach military situations, the way they approach test. So it's a good education for our students as well, and it works both ways. Well, Dave, I know you graduated from TPS in 1994. Compared to that time, are there more international students? And, and what about women students? No and yes. Okay. We, 
see about the same number of international students. I mean, the international student program dates back to the 50s. Uh, so we have generally two to three international students in every class. So that, that hasn't changed. Now, my class in 94 was a little a bit of anomaly, so I'm not going to talk about that too much. Okay. But my senior class, 93 Bravo, they had three international students in that class, three students from Korea. Um, so that part hasn't changed. The, the part that has changed is the, the number of women students. Um, that has changed for the better. There's a lot more women that are coming through the course. It's rare now that we don't have one or two women students, usually an engineer and a pilot. Um, the current junior class is the first to have actually five women students. We have three flight test engineers and two pilots, Wow! which is incredible. That's awesome. Uh, our class back in 94 had zero, but my senior class did have two ladies in the class. One was a flight test engineer, um, Dana Schindler, and one was a pilot. Jackie Van Ovost, who is now, a th- I think she's now a three-star working at Air Force headquarters at the Pentagon doing wow. amazing things for the Air Force. That's awesome. So you you go in to see any of the women's students we've had in the past generally have pretty amazing careers. So while the students are attending their classes, also crammed into the schedule is flying and quals. And for the students who are pilots, by the way, they're now flying aircraft they're probably not familiar with. What does quals mean? Qualitative evaluation program is, is designed to reinforce our curriculum desired learning objectives. So that is, you know, planning, executing, and when I say execute, I mean flying, flying the aircraft, okay. doing flight test techniques. Okay. So you're executing the plan, which is the fun part, right. but the you know important part that we have to, to develop. So you're planning, you're executing, and then you're analyzing and reporting. So we reinforce those learning objectives through the QUAL program. One of our overall goals is to create highly adaptive, critical thinking flight test professionals. So how do you create somebody who's highly adaptive? Right. One of the ways is you put them in different situations and you allow them to deal with their being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and being in a new environment. And you do that enough, eventually you become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you learn how to handle new and dynamic situations that you haven't maybe have previous experience with. And that qual program is incredibly important for us to do that. Um, When you fly a bunch of different airplanes, eventually you realize they're all very similar in certain ways. When you graduate and you're working in your test program and things don't go quite as planned, you can rely on that experience you've had at TPS to remain cool, calm, and collected. (laughs) You know, one, one notion we say is if there's an emergency, you know, stop, wind your watch, catch your breath, follow your procedures, follow your training. Um, not always easy in a very right. dynamic situation, right. but the, the stereotypical test pilot, when you're in an, an air vehicle that's gone out of control and it's plummeting toward the ground at 10,000 feet a minute and things are going crazy, you want the test pilot to sit there and be cool and calm and relay data and talk about what's happening to help people solve this problem. And at the same time, you know, working diligently to recover the airplane. Right. And they all want to sound like, you know, a good southerner over the radio. <laughs> Everything's going nice and fine up here. It just conveys confidence. Right. right. So in order to create folks like that, we use part of our qual program 
to let him fly all these unusual airplanes. Well, another unique aircraft you have at the school is the Vista F-16. Can you tell us what that is? Well, Ms. Don, that airplane is incredibly unique. It's a one-of-a-kind, highly modified F-16. And for your listeners out there on the radio, I just want them to know that you've got a beautiful picture of our F-16 Vista <laughs> right up here on the wall with this amazing new paint scheme you know, highlighting the, the heritage of Edwards with the, the orange Flight test orange. Flight test orange colors and the TPS tail flash. Um, it's, it's truly a, an amazing vehicle. The, the airplane itself, being a highly modified F-16, is set up so that it's got a, a control system that allows you to put research control laws into the airplane and fly those research control laws but still keep the airplane safe because it's got a flight control system that has safety trips that monitor the airplane states. And if you send commands that are going to exceed certain parameters, it will kick off the research system. So it saves the day, basically. It, it does. It allows us to do rapid prototyping okay. and try new, new flight control strategies in a way that we can do it quickly but safely. Uh, you and I could sit down today with a computer in MATLAB, mm -hmm. and we can walk through and we could design a control system, and we could implement that in VISTA tonight and fly it tomorrow safely. That's amazing. Because the system itself, the overlying system of the airplane, has these safety trips that if we made a sign error <laughs> and we meant for the airplane to go up and it's going down, the system will kick that research system off and return back to a normal F-16 so we can, uh, you know, rapidly look at new technology. So in the VISTA, which, by the way, stands for Variable Stability In-Flight Simulator, the student sits in the front seat instead of the back. This is the only F-16 in the world that's set up where the primary cockpit is the rear cockpit. So our instructor pilots who are uh, highly trained test pilots who have specific skills that allow them to, to fly VISTA and act as safety pilots it's not only, I didn't mention this, it's not only the control system in VISTA, which has the safety trips that keep the airplane safe. It's many times a safety pilot, a highly experienced test pilot in the rear cockpit that has the ability to kick that system off. But the rear cockpit is designed, uh, it looks like the front cockpit of a normal F-16. Okay. That's where you start the engine. That's where you run your flight control checks. You have all your emergency switches located in the back cockpit. And the front cockpit is set up for the evaluator pilot. So uh, any of our students, they all fly in the front seat, including engineers. I was going to ask that. So engineers, that is their most, one of their best stories of the year because okay. they actually get to see out the front of an F-16 as compared to the back of somebody's helmet. <laughs> uh, so they, the evaluator pilot sits in the front and it has different, the, the word we use now is inceptors. So it has programmable flight control inputs. It okay. even has a center stick, which is uncommon. It is, well, I won't say uncommon. It is not found in any other F-16 on the planet. So we can modify the, the stick characteristics as well in the front seat for the, the evaluator pilot. 
Well, a large part of the 11-month program is the test management program, which along with an exam goes toward the students receiving their accredited Master's of Science and Flight Test Engineering degree. So Dave, can you describe what the TMPs are and how you come up with them, and also how the Air Force gains from this program? Well, Ms. Don, our, our test management projects are, are truly amazing in, in multiple ways. Related to the curriculum, they provide an opportunity for the students to work a test program from beginning to end. You know, nowhere else in their career may they have that opportunity. Why? Because the programs last longer than the time they spend in the test units. Okay. You know, if, if you go to the F-35 squadron right now, the plane's been flying for a long time, mm-hmm. and you're in the middle of a program that's developing either the avionics or the software or the weapons integration, and you would work that program, and then two years later you'll leave. Um, so you don't see the whole okay. thing. So that, that program we introduced to the students at about the halfway point in their TPS uh, class time. And right now, as you and I sit here and, and, and talk, I have four TMPs in my senior class executing. They, okay. Some are airborne right now, which is exciting time for them because it's, it's new. Right. It's not the same turn performance flight in a T-38 that's been done for 30 years. Right. This is brand new. And it's theirs. It's theirs, and they own it. So they're, they're doing the execution right now. Uh, they have two weeks to gather data, and then they're going to have two months between now and end of the, the year, the end of the year for them because they graduate in June, um, to analyze the data and write a report. Okay. And they, they put out a full technical information memo report and a briefing that they give the school at the end of the year. What are some examples of the TMPs? We've had multiple projects looking at um, navigation and GPS-denied environments, okay. which is a, a high-interest item in the Air Force. We have, we've looked down. We've looked up. We've used lasers. We've used visual sensors. We use IR sensors. we got a program right now that's out there looking at cell towers and cell signals, cell phone signals to geolocate their position. Um, we've had different antennas that can determine arrival direction of different signals, you know, all trying to, to do the basic navigation. Okay. Where am I in space? Right. So we can take an inertial navigation unit, which drifts over time. So, you know, imagine the GPS in your car. If it wasn't a GPS, if it was an inertial navigation unit, every hour you could be up to maybe a mile away from where you think you are. Oh. So you have to update it. Okay. GPS updates it all the time. So mm-hmm. it keeps you right where you think you are. But if that GPS signal goes away, how do we navigate? You have to update this inertial measurement unit with your current position. So we're trying to find ways to figure out where you are in space. So we've done a a bunch of programs with those. Well, for those who are fortunate to visit TPS, they find a team of incredibly passionate professionals working in a fast-paced, ever-changing environment. And Dave, that includes you. You graduated here in 94, and you've worked here for the past 10 years as tech director. So please tell us what it is that makes you want to be at the center of the aerospace testing universe. Well, Don, I'm not going to lie. My initial reasons for coming to Edwards were purely selfish. <laughs> we're all self-motivated. Okay. Uh, I came here because I wanted to work on cutting-edge technology. I wanted to fly and work with the, the, the hottest airplanes, the coolest stuff, everything that was new. Um, and 
there was an opportunity to fly in high-performance airplanes as a flight test crew member. Mm-hmm. So those two things were what motivated me to come here. And in fairness, that was never my plan when I was going through college. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. I, no. I was a, a, it wasn't until I was a senior at Georgia Tech studying aerospace engineering that I, I ran into a guy, um, Air Force Lieutenant John Humphreys, who was a Georgia Tech grad, a couple years older than me. I didn't know him while I was at, at the school, mm-hmm. but he was back just visiting the university, and we ran into each other in the hallway outside at a, one of our compressible aero classes, I think. Um, and he had just been selected to come to Air Force Test Pilot School as an engineer. Mm-hmm. And he starts telling me about all these cool things going on at this place called the Air Force Flight Test Center that I really <laughs> didn't know much about being a southern boy from the country, you yeah. know, we don't get out much. <laughs> so he's telling me these cool st- things they're doing and just really got me excited. And then he handed me this brochure that Edwards put out at the time as a recruiting tool. And I still remember this because on the cover of this glossy brochure right. was an F-4, one of the airplanes they were using for mission support. So it was the, the white and orange F-4, mm-hmm, two-seater, mm-hmm. And climbing into the back of that airplane was a civilian engineer. Oh. And I, and I learned later, it's Mark Crawford, who oh. is a friend of mine now, and he is he's currently the, the deputy director with the Electronic Warfare Group. Yes. So he was getting ready for a flight in an F-4 wow. doing flight tests. And I thought right then, that's what I got to do. Um, so I, 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 I didn't just pack up and head straight here. I already had a research assistantship in grad school at the University of Maryland, so I did that first. And then got in my car, took <laughs> I-40, and drove to Edwards. Wow. Now, it, it, for the full story, you know, that was that's what brought me out here. But that's really not what keeps me here. You know, my intention was to be here probably no more than four or five years, okay, and then go work for some major airplane manufacturer and design airplanes. Okay. I mean, that was my vision at the time. Um, but that, that didn't turn out that way. I think what really keeps me here more than, more than anything is um, probably two things. What's that? Truly. Okay. And, and one is the mission of this place. Uh, it's, I'm just passionate about it. It's... It's the ability to serve my country in some small way. You know, I can contribute in developing capabilities for our airmen that are out there in harm's way every day. So we're doing things that are meaningful and impactful and important to me. So that's that's really what's kept me here. That and the second thing is just, you know, working with the people. The folks here are amazing. It, it's an honor to serve with some of the best and brightest and most dedicated individuals on the planet. You know, there's there's not a day that goes by that I don't learn something new. <laughs> you know, and, and there's, there's not a day that goes by that our group, our people, and our organization doesn't do something positive, you know, impacting our country's future. So it's, why would I leave? I, I got the best job in the Air Force. Many thanks to Mr. David Van Hoy for joining us and taking us beyond the test. When we come back, we'll talk with another member of the TPS team, one who knows what it's like to be both the spouse of a student, a student herself, and now serves as an instructor at the school. 
Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. Today, we're talking about the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School located right here at Edwards. Our next guest is a TPS graduate, Mrs. Jessica Peterson. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Jessica, we'll talk about your time as a TPS student in just a moment, but first, let's talk about your present job. I'm the branch chief right now for the Test Foundations portion of TPS, and it's about a year and a half old. A um, year and a half to two years old is how long that branch at TPS has existed. However, a lot of the material that we were teaching isn't necessarily new material. It's things that have always been in the curriculum, but it was under it was under um, different portions of the curriculum, and it wasn't specifically. Um, drawn out to be foundational concepts. So what we've done now within Test Foundations is we've taken the different concepts of how do you plan for a program, how do you do the execution piece, the communication, the control rooms, how do you analyze that data, and then what I think is the most important, how do you report on that data? And we've made that its own course. We've said what the object the objectives are, and now we show the students, okay, now when you go out and you fly in a certain aircraft or you collect, a, collect the data, here's the foundational concepts of how you apply that to any program, any type of flight test. And so that's kind of the differences with it. Um, the other things with my group, we do the test management projects, which are the real world applications of process, um, process test planning for customers. So we've had customers like DARPA, AFRL, Lockheed Martin, Skunk Works, all over that have brought projects to us and our students get to execute a real world program within test foundations as well. Previously, it was stated that the Test Foundations was not a formal program. How have the students reacted to this class? I think that they understand more the intent of some of the objectives, why we're teaching certain things. Before, you know, an example would be we'd go out and we'd collect performance data on a C-12, which is how fast, how much fuel consumption, you know, all those types of things. And there's a lot of foundational concepts on how do you have your communication right? How do you write down the data that you need? But we didn't explicitly tell the students that's what we were trying to teach them. They had to try to get it through osmosis. Mm -hmm. um, and now we tell them, hey, this is the objective. This is why we're teaching in a certain way. And yeah, we're doing that for performance on a C-12, but it has applications for so many other types of things. And so I think that it gives them a better, bigger picture and further on in the curriculum. And hopefully when they take it to the, C the different CTFs and the different platforms, they can apply those objectives and those concepts to a wider variety of things. Well, so you're from the local area. I am. Okay. And you've been on staff at TPS for about one and a half years now. I'd like to talk to you about how you first came back to being at Edwards, going back to 2005. Yeah. So it's a funny story. So I grew up um, in the Antelope Valley, um, surrounded surrounded by flight tests, surrounded by the B-2 being built out at Palmdale and seeing that fly. And I'll tell you very honestly, I was not super excited about <laughs> flight tests. You know, it's mm -hmm. something that was in my, back, in my backyard and I saw it all the time. And I just wasn't an airplane nut like a lot of the people that are out here. So what happened was in 2005, I had I was finishing up my degree in mechanical engineering. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I was thinking maybe biomechanics, bioengineering was mm -hmm. appealing. I thought maybe law school, patent law. You know, I had all these different things that I thought were interesting. Okay. Um, but I needed to build my resume and I needed to get some real world experience. And so there was a career fair that I went to. Tony Rubino was actually the one that I oh. met at the career career fair. I gave him my resume and I said, hey, I'm from the local area. I want to do an internship. 
I'm planning on being in Antelope Valley. You guys should bring me out. And so he brought me out for a six-month period. I did an internship, and I found out that I absolutely loved the job. It wasn't the airplanes. It was the people. It was the mission focus. And so I got out here, and I said, oh, it's amazing. You know, everyone is working towards a common goal. They're working for the warfighter. There's this very strong team camaraderie that was going Mm -hmm. on. And so that's how I ended up out here um, in 2005. And then over time, my passion for aircraft and my passion for flying is what really evolved um, over that time. So I got the experience to go on flying status when I was at the 416th. That Mm -hmm. happened in 2015. And I found out, oh my gosh, I love flying. And then just kind of the natural progression was, well, I should try going to test pilot school. I'll get to fly in all these different aircraft and get more experience. And so, you know, now here I am 15 years later and I'm an airplane nut. I love airplanes. I love (laughs) aerospace. You know, it's like the perfect place to be. But it really kind of evolved over time and it wasn't where I thought I was going to be um, when I was in college. That is so cool. Yeah. You know, with your degree in mechanical engineering, you eventually began, like you said, working for the 416th Flight Test Squadron. Mm -hmm. You worked on some really interesting programs to include the life-saving automatic ground collision avoidance system. It's also called AutoGCAS. What is it like knowing you were part of this major life-saving capability? Yeah, so, I mean, right place, right time, I think, really, for my career. Um, I got to the 416th in 2011. Prior to that, I had done some work on Global Hawk. I had been doing UAVs. Okay. And so that background doing um, flight controls, guidance and control on UAVs really blended itself well with looking at automatic systems because the automatic ground collision avoidance system is kind of that blend between mm-hmm. uh, you know pilot and the aircraft, manned aircraft, and then having automatic systems system that they have to interface with. So that's how I ended up on that program. Um, I got there, like I said, 2011, and that's when we were just starting to do our, all our planning for what we call the design tryout. So it was to get the system on the production F-16 and figure out how we were going to get that fielded, try to find where any issues were um, before we got it fielded to the, to the warfighter. Mm-hmm. And so I was there for about five years. I had the experience of seeing AutoGCast first show up at the 416th. I was there for all the first flights for issues that we found and we got mm-hmm. fixed, which really was very rewarding to the point when we got word that we had the first save. So the first save, I love to tell the story. We had been working on AutoGCast. Um, we finally got it to the point where we were going to get it fielded on our airplanes. And there was a decision. There was a squadron that had to make the decision if they were going to take the new software that had just gone out there and if they were going to deploy their airplanes with that software. F-16? The F-16s. Okay. Um, with AutoGCast and other things that came with that software. Okay. And so they made the decision um, to field, the to deploy, to field their aircraft with the brand new AutoGCast software. And within two weeks is when we had our first save. So knowing Seriously? that, yeah, that we wow. had just finished testing, we had just gotten it out there, and then we had our very first save. And the situation the pilot was in is he was doing strafe, which is where you're using the gun on the F-16, and you're trying to take out bad guys that okay. were on the ground. And so he was downrange, and he was getting calls from our, you know, our warfighters, our guys on the ground saying they needed support. Wow. And so he came in doing strafe, trying to use his gun, got in a situation called target fixation, which is where you're very focused Mm -hmm. onto what's on the ground Mm -hmm. and you might not be as aware of other factors. So your altitude, your airspeed, how steep you're diving. And that's when Auto GCast came on and protected him and saved his life. And what was so rewarding about that from a test perspective is we had focused very much on that type of scenario. We had focused very much on the system working in that type of scenario. actually found problems early on where it didn't Mm -hmm. work correctly. And so we had fixed that 
got it fielded, and then had that first save. So it was so easy at that point for me to tie kind of my job satisfaction from directly what I had worked on to um, saving saving a pilot's life. And then after that, I think we've had eight more saves since then. Um, we had one pilot who was in training, so a new F-16 pilot. He lost consciousness from pulling too many Gs. Okay. Um, and so there's another save. There's actually a video that you can see out on YouTube of that. You get to hear the audio and everything that's really um, powerful and very impactful. And so he lost consciousness. Auto GCAS saved his life. Well, after that happened, him and his instructor pilot that um, was in another aircraft when it happened and saw everything happen, they came out to the 416th, met us, shook our hands. You know, you get to see this person like, oh, wow, like I had this very direct uh, impact on someone's life. That's wonderful. So very rewarding, you know. I think, you know, I've had a lot of amazing things that I've gotten to do in my career. That probably is the highlight, though, is like being able to work on the automatic ground collision avoidance system, knowing that there's things at the 416th that we found and fixed, and that's what resulted in saving guys' lives. Really really amazing. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it really brings home, you know, the idea of this is why we test for the warfighter. Right. Right. Totally. That's why we take the risks, you know. I I like to use that as one of my talking points when I'm instructing the students at TPS is I show them a test point that we did that was higher risk. You know, we were taking the airplane uh, close to some of its limits. And I tell them, hey, this is why we do it, because it's representative of what guys are going to do out in the field. And so it's very important we check it and we make sure everything's working right before we put it out there. Because if the system didn't work right, then we have guys whose lives probably wouldn't have been saved. Well, Jessica, I really appreciate you took time out to come see us today. You're here in a flight suit, so you've been on a mission already Yeah, I flew this morning. Weather wasn't great. Uh, (laughs) But it's always good to go fly, right? Right, right. Well, thank you for coming. But before I let you leave, what is it that excites you the most? I know working for the warfighter and doing all of that is so important to you, but you're here at the Center of the Aerospace Testing Universe. And and what excites you about being here? You know, so I try to think back of what, you know, when I – first got here, what was the most exciting? Like I said, it was the people, right? It was the the mission focus of everyone. Um, I think the other thing is it's an air show. And I know this is quaint. Probably everyone says this, but it's an air show every day, right? Mm-hmm. Like you see different aircraft every single day. And I mean, especially at test pilot school, we have different qual aircraft that we bring in. So we have the T-33 um, that's been out here the last couple of weeks, which is the first jet trainer that was ever built um, for the Air Force. And so that's amazing mm-hmm. to have. Right yeah. now, we're trying to get the students P-51 flights, which is amazing. So I mean, truly, like we have these amazing aircraft and that's, that's very exciting. Um, I love, the other thing that I love seeing is the people that come to visit that are passionate about the work out here as well as the new engineers. Like the thing that I love seeing is how, you know, they they come out here and they have stars in their eyes and they're excited about, you know, getting to work on maybe the air collision avoidance system or death claw, which is going to be automated strafing on the F-16, which is going to be awesome or all the different variety of things. Like that's really, sometimes when you've been here for a while, you kind of forget, you forget, oh, like all the stuff that's going on. And when you see new people that are excited and passionate about it, that's where I now get kind of my energy and my motivation. And man, being at test pilot school, every six months we have new students, right? So every six months we have this new influx of people that it's completely new to them and they're passionate and they're excited. And so that keeps kind of my excitement level up, having that influx of new new people. Well, many thanks to Mrs. Jessica Peterson for joining us and taking us beyond the test. When we come back, we'll head over to the test pilot school and learn more about the unique aircraft used for the flying quals. 
Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. Today, we're talking about the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School, located right here at Edwards. Our next guest is the Test Pilot School Qualitative Evaluation Section Chief, Tech Sergeant Cody Fullerton. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Alan. I, I, I'm excited to be here. Over the years, you know, most of us can't help but notice the sometimes older, very unique aircraft that appear on the ramp behind TPS. They're there almost every week. You know, tell us what they are and where they come from. Well, right now we have nine, I believe, nine QE aircraft. Um, one of them is the P-51 Mustang, but we do that out of Eglin. So we go on a trip uh, for two weeks out of the year every year down to Eglin. Uh, and then we have the uh, L-39 Albatross. We have the R-44 Robinson helicopter. Uh, we have the DC-3, the uh, HU-16 Plenty, plenty of unique aircraft. You know, I've always thought that when Edwards had an aircraft on contract, as you do for the, the QE program, that maintenance was provided by the contractor. But that really isn't the case here. How is it that you and your teammates conduct the maintenance, and do you have technical orders for each one of those aircraft? So for most of the aircraft, the contractor does bring uh, maintenance personnel. What we do is we provide oversight to ensure that what they're, what they're doing is safe and by the book, um, and then also ensuring that it's safe for the, the test pilot students to fly that aircraft. So they bring all their maintenance manuals. They do all their own maintenance, per se. What we do is provide support. So if they need fuel or they need whatever it is, um, we kind of have their back on that. You know, Tech Sergeant Fullerton, before I let you go, can you tell us what it means to you to be working at the center of the aerospace testing universe? Well, I think that being in the program, being at, at the test pilot school, is, is the uniqueness of it. So it, what it means to me would be, you know, if I wasn't doing my job, we really wouldn't have a test program in the Air Force. So being able to get these students through and have them understand all the flight characteristics of all the unique aircraft that we do have and, exp and expanding on their breadth of experience, I, th I think it, it, it's a pretty important thing. Many thanks to Tech Sergeant Cody Fullerton for joining us and taking us beyond the test. When we come back, we'll talk with a current student from TPS Class 19 Bravo. Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. Today we're talking about the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School, located right here at Edwards. Having recently celebrated its 75th anniversary, the school has educated and launched the careers of hundreds of test pilots, engineers, system operators, and more. It's a place so very special to those who have gone before, those who work here now, and those currently enrolled. And with that, we're back at the school, and I'm happy to introduce a current student from Class 19B, or Bravo, Captain Rachel Chiarte. So Captain Chiarte, you're about three months away from graduation and in the middle of your test management program. Tell us about the student experience you've had over the past eight months and why you wanted to attend TPS. Well, I think the student experience so far has been absolutely amazing. Um, this is probably the most hands-on learning that I've ever done in my entire life. Um, also, probably the busiest nine months <laughs> that I've ever had in my entire life as well. And um, you asked why I wanted to join TPS. Well, um, I think I always kind of knew about test pilot school because both of my parents were pilots in the Air Force. Um, so I always knew that it existed, but I didn't know that I wanted to actually come here until I took um, an aero class back at the academy called Aero 456 and we came out here to Edwards and we got to fly a T-38 and run a little test program and that honestly sealed the deal. I was like, I know I want to come out to test pilot school. So that's really cool. You know, it's, has being here been what you expected or have there been a lot of surprises? 
There have been some surprises. Um, I think the the biggest thing that I noticed um, is how much effort goes into the test pilot school from other agencies. You know, you come here and you think like, oh, it's going to be so much work for me. But really, it's a ton of work for everybody else to try to get this whole program running and get us through the curriculum on time in just the short year that we're here. Um, and I think the other surprise that I had was the, the list of airplanes that I've flown has grown like exponentially in the last couple of months. It's been so much fun, but it's amazing how many planes they get out here so that we can have different flying experiences and things that we're totally uncomfortable in. And it's, it's been awesome. Well, they say when you come to TPS, the first thing they do is make you very comfortable or used to being uncomfortable. And when you came here, you flew a, a very big plane, a KC-135. That was your aircraft. Yeah, that's true. Uh, KC-135, it's pretty big. It's certainly not the biggest in the in the inventory, but it's definitely bigger than anything that we fly in the curriculum. But we actually do fly the KC-135 for two flights in the curriculum, uh, which was awesome. I've flown it once now uh, in the last year, and I absolutely loved it. It was great to be back in my home platform. But they do make you very uh, comfortable being uncomfortable. My primary aircraft is the T-38 here, which I didn't actually fly in pilot training. I was fortunate I flew the T-1 in pilot training. So it's been very fun to learn a new plane um, and learn how, uh, I guess, how people fly smaller planes, which is which is really, really fun. Um, and it's totally different than how people fly big planes. Um, so that's been a great experience. And uh, yeah, the my list, I, I actually wrote down my list of planes that I've flown now since I've been here. Okay. Turns out the number's 13, <laughs> 13 different planes, wow. which is incredible. It ranges from helicopters to um, three different types of gliders to the KC-135, which is the biggest one I've flown so far in the curriculum. Um, and then the, just last week, I got to fly what's called the uh, Extra 300. And I got to pull negative four Gs, which was <laughs> very painful, but really, really fun. So. So you graduated from the academy, and you're here now at Edwards at the Test Pilot School. What is it like to be around so much knowledge and technology? You know, it's it's overall very, very humbling. Um, you come out of your field, and you know, back at McConnell, I was like one of the number one pilots at the at the base, and probably the one with some of the like most education uh, compared to the other pilots. So you think like, oh, I'm I'm pretty smart, but then you come here, and oh my goodness, I'm so not the smartest one in the room ever, which is so different for me, and it's very, very humbling. Um, and you can't say to yourself like, oh, I'll, I'll make it through because, you know, that guy made it through and I'm much smarter than him. You can't say that anymore because <laughs> everybody's so much smart, so smart here. And uh, it's it's really, really incredible to be like considered one of the people here, you know, and to, to be here around everybody who's just incredible. So, Captain Chiarte, can you tell us about the test management program that you're working on? Sure, yeah. I'm a part of Half Sniffer, um, and we got our name because the, the equipment that we're testing sniffs out different signals of opportunity that just kind of exist in nature. Um, not really in nature, actually. They're cell phone signals. But nowadays, they kind of exist in nature. Um, so we're flying a system that was developed by the University of California down at Irvine. And um, we're flying it on a C-12J model, which is a stretch model of the C-12. And the C-12 is just a two-propeller kind of King Air-looking aircraft. Um, and the system, yes, it sniffs out cell phone signals. And what those cell phone signals allow us to do is eventually develop a navigation solution. So for example, if GPS was degraded or something like that, um, you could use cell phone towers to navigate, which is a really interesting prospect. Um, and we're totally at the infancy of this technology. But it's really interested to, interesting to fly this, um, fly this system and be able to see what, I guess, the, uh, how it could work in the future. 
Any idea what may or may not happen with your test management program after you're finished? I have no idea, honestly. I think, so I, I'm suspecting that everything will work. At least that's my optimistic hope is that everything's going to work. We start flying actually tomorrow. The plane and the equipment arrives today. And um, I think everything will work. And then in the future, what what will eventually, hopefully the, the goal is that um, this technology will be used to generate real-time navigation solutions. So like instead of having a GPS on my plane, I could have a cell phone tower receiver on my plane. And the cell phone, cell phone tower receiver could give me a, a live update on my uh, navigation solution, which would be really super interesting. Um, but we'll see. Right now, we're just trying to get the, just trying to turn everything on and make sure it works. <laughs> so, Captain Kiarte, let's fast forward to your graduation. Any ideas where you're going to go next? Yes. So, I will be uh, heading down to Altus Air Force Base down in southwestern Oklahoma, and I'm going to go to KC 46 training, actually. Um, so, I'm going to be swapping tankers, the new tanker platform. Um, and it'll be about a three month course there, and then I'll come back to Edwards and I'll join the 418th, which is the heavy test squadron here, um, doing KC-46 testing for probably about a year. And then after that, I talked to some guys there, and I should be able to pick up a second qual. So maybe the KC-135 again, and I'll be flying two airplanes. But for the at least for the initial year after I graduate, I'll be a KC-46 test pilot. So Captain Kiarte, do you have any advice for those who will follow you here at TPS, but also as well as those who are thinking they may want to apply to attend the school? Absolutely. I would say apply early and apply often. Um, I applied the first year that I was barely eligible. I actually wasn't even eligible when I applied uh, to TPS. I had to submit a waiver. Um, but I got in, which was amazing. So I'd say apply early, apply often. And in the meantime, fly as much as you can and fly as many different things as you can. I think that really kind of helped me uh, to get in here was flying a few different types of aircraft before um, before starting TPS. And I'd also say challenge yourself within your own airframe with different missions. Um, I think one thing that made me kind of competitive was I had done every single mission of the tanker uh, before I got here instead of just the conventional mission. I was also qualified in like the nuclear mission, the receiver mission, um, the special operations mission, which kind of gave me a really broad base of experience, even though I hadn't flown it for all that long. Um, and I think that really kind of helped me to be a competitive tanker pilot. Um, so that would be the advice that I'd give any pilots who are wanting to come here to TPS. And also get a master's degree and get, make sure your grades are pretty good, because I think they, they look at that as well. <laughs> well, Captain Kiarte, before I let you go, you know, you're here at historic Edwards Air Force Base, and you're a young captain in the Air Force, and you're flying, and you're at TPS. What does it all mean to you? You know, it's it's extremely humbling to be at a place uh, like Edwards Air Force Base. And oftentimes, I honestly forget that I'm here and, and what it means to be here because I'm so bogged down with homework and projects and things like that. Um, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll stop and realize, like, oh, my goodness, like, I'm at test pilot school. Like, Chuck Yeager was the commandant. Uh, Buzz Aldrin went, like, the incredible amount of people who came through here and, uh, and graduated and went on to do incredible things. And... So every once in a while you remember that and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm now one of one of the people who've walked these halls. Uh, so it's incredibly humbling. And um, and even though I oftentimes do forget where I am because I'm so busy all the time, it's, it's incredible. I can't believe I'm here. Many thanks to Captain Rachel Chiarte for joining us and taking us beyond the test. So what's on the horizon for the test pilot school? We'll go back to Colonel Blake for the answer.
Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. We're talking about the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School located right here at Edwards Air Force Base. And back with us in studio is the school's commandant, Colonel Ryan Blake. You know, Colonel Blake, you're not only the current commandant of TPS, but you're also a graduate of the school back in 2008. You were already flying F-15Es back then. So was becoming a test pilot your goal early on in your career? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, it was a goal early on in my life. Really? Uh, when I was 12 years old, I decided I wanted to be a test pilot. Uh, and so wow. I kind of worked backwards from there. I figured out, what do I need to become a test pilot? Well, I should go into the Air Force. I should be an Air Force pilot. Uh, I should get an engineering degree and I should go to a commissioning source, right? So I worked all of that backwards. And so from the time I was 12 years old, I decided these are the things I need to do to be a test pilot. So yes, the short answer is yes, it has been a, a goal of mine in my entire career. Now, I loved my operational career flying F-15Es. I thought it was great. Um, but after two operational tours, uh, I really, that passion and desire to go to TPS really welled up again. Uh, and I was really excited to be able to apply because now I, if I got accepted, I would be able to take all those lessons that I learned. And frankly, some of the stuff maybe that I didn't like about the Strike Eagle that I thought could be improved or just the stuff that I saw coming down the horizon that I knew uh, was going to make the Strike Eagle a better airplane. I could go through test pilot school and have a hand in developing that and make all the old me's, the, the Lieutenant Blakes of the future, have a much better airplane when they got to it. And so excited me about being part of that. At 12 years old, who or what inspired you to be that mindful of your future and not an easy path to choose? Right. So I think a couple of different things. Uh, I actually grew up in an aviation family. Uh, my father was a pilot. My grandfather was a pilot. Um, ne- my father was not a pilot in the Air Force. He was a commercial pilot, and he did a lot of flight instruction. So I think a desire to be involved in aviation came from my family. Uh, And then like many folks, I think a combination of watching the space shuttle when I was young uh, and watching uh, movies like The Right Stuff Mm -hmm. really got me excited about doing something uh, towards the unexplored, as the test center says. Well, no doubt the curriculum of TPS has certainly changed since you were in the 08 Alpha class. Is that correct? The the Alpha class? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. But isn't it always evolving, though, to meet the needs of the Air Force of the future? It most definitely is. And as a matter of fact, one of the things I was most surprised about when I came back as the commandant is how much it had changed just in the 10 years since I had graduated. Uh, and it actually really impressed me as how uh, how far the test pilot school had come and how agile they are to changing to do realities. And one of the things we've been doing over the last couple of years is try to keep that going. Um, and as you know, right now, if you look in the news, right, mm-hmm. space is a growth industry, right? We yes. now have another military service in the Department of Defense, the U.S. Space Force. That's right. Uh, and so we've been working very closely with them. Even before the startup of the U.S. Space Force, we realized, and the Air Force Test Center under General Zana's leadership has realized that uh, there is much work yet to do in space test. And so we've been in close um, coordination with uh, U.S. Space Force about setting up a course specifically for them that mirrors what our test pilot school is doing and that is based on the very same test foundations that we are teaching our atmospheric flight test pilots and flight test engineers how to do but give them some domain-specific training in space. So we'll take that test foundations that we're teaching already, and we will teach them how that applies to orbital mechanics and to missile launches and things like that, such that now the Space Force can have a cadre of trained testers, just like the U.S. Air Force has their cadre of trained testers. That is exciting. It absolutely is. Do you have an idea of when that's going to start up? 
Yes, as a matter of fact, we are hoping to start our first course next year. So we are um, working on the curriculum right now, uh, and we are hoping that um, somewhere January or February of 2021, we can have our first space testers go through the course. I think you're going to need a bigger building. Absolutely. <laughs> most most definitely. So just like anything, uh, resources uh, get to be a big factor. And so we are looking at ways that we can expand both in our building and in our cadre, right? The instructors that we need to teach, we'll need to bring in folks, uh, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time, extra time right now because right. we're very busy teaching right. our test pilots and flight test engineers, so extra instructors, extra program managers to help really make this a good school. Colonel Blake, since your first Air Force assignment in January 1998, you've held some really impressive jobs, you know. But today you find yourself back at Edwards and serving as the commandant of the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School. How does this mission support the warfighter? And overall, what does this job opportunity mean to you? It means the world to me. So um, I remember being a student at Test Pilot School thinking that I had the coolest job in the world. And I was very much excited about going to my first test squadron and bringing all that new technology to the warfighter. But I very much enjoyed being a student in the school and doing all the things that the school got to do. And so whereas I wanted to go directly into my flight test work, I really wanted at some point to come back on staff at the school and be a part of it. Uh, and so when I got the call to come out and be the commandant of the Test Pilot School to sit at the same desk that Buzz Aldrin and Chuck Yeager had sat at, uh, it really was a dream come true. Uh, and we, everything we do is focused on the warfighter, right? That's, that's what made me want to go into flight test. And all of our students, that's what makes them want to go to test pilot school is because we are taking new gear and new technology and handing it directly back to the warfighters. So just like the Air Force Test Center that is always having a relentless focus on the warfighter and the 412th test wing, whose motto is for the warfighter, Right, we at Test Pilot School are very much focusing everything we're doing on learning how to test and getting good technology directly into the hands of the warfighter who need to use it now. Many thanks to Colonel Ryan Blake and all our guests from the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School for taking time out to share their stories and taking us beyond the test. We invite our listeners to submit their suggestions for future episodes by sending us an email at beyondtest at 412TW.us. Thanks to all for joining us. I'm Don Waldman for Edwards Beyond the Test.